Hello and welcome to an extra Rich Pickings for March. Earlier this week on this show, we heard from Fidelity's chief investment officers about the market and business impact of the oil crash, the pandemic and the resulting volatility. Now, if you haven't heard that podcast already, I recommend listening to hear the CIO's analysis and how the moves have affected their outlooks. But what about the practical implementation of how to handle market volatility? I'm joined today by one of our multi-asset portfolio managers, Eugene Philolithis. Eugene, welcome. Hi, Richard. Yesterday, the Bank of England cut rates and boost, uh, boosted liquidity. The ECB has just announced new stimulus measures to cope with uh, fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. But markets, as you well know, have been in freefall. Um, now, you've been through routes like this before. What's similar this time and, and what's taken you by surprise, perhaps? Well, I think the similarities are that, uh, you know, at some point you reach a level of indiscriminate selling where there is really, uh, you know, very little place to hide and some of the positions that you think uh, are there as to play defense in your portfolio don't necessarily uh, work. And, you know, you're waiting for the point of sheer capitulation in the markets and, and sheer panic where you you know that eventually all the, the weak hands uh, effectively have been washed out and, uh, you know, you can start thinking about see, maybe seeing some stabilization, and thinking about trying to identify those opportunities that have emerged as part of this dislocation that has affected everything. That must be very hard to do at times like this, though, <laughs> when you're seeing markets fall by a tenth um, so far today in Europe. Yes, some of the volatility today that we've seen, some of the market falls that we've seen suggest to us that there's a degree of technical selling that hasn't met with any any buying. So there aren't there isn't anyone or any group of investors who are ready to step in and uh, and start buying at these levels. Uh, and that suggests to us that there is a liquidity issue, at least uh, temporarily. And I think that, you know, some of the differences that we have this time uh, are, are structural as well. You know, we have very large uh, sort of passive uh, part of the market, which when investors sell those, that's you know there, there's no selection as to uh, as to what's being sold. The derivatives market has also been uh, you know overwhelmed in terms of volume, uh, and we're also in a situation where market participants are either working from home or split team working because of the situation with the virus, and certain parts of the market have been affected in terms of liquidity because of that. So there is a there is a real buy strike. But sellers are out in are out in force. And compared with other falls like this, I mean, it's really been quite remarkable because it's only three weeks ago that we were in a very, very different position, weren't we? Yes, I think uh, the speed of going from uh, a market high to a bear market. This is probably the fastest uh, that we've seen, at least in my lifetime. I might have a few grey hairs, but I wasn't around in 1928 or 1929. So. <laughs> um, that is, uh, yeah, I think it's the speed of the of the fall that has uh, taken many by surprise. And, and when you look at markets that are as volatile as these, what are the strategies that you start considering? Uh, you, you've talked about sort of pausing and, and considering where to take the next step, but in terms of what those next steps might be? 
So when we're managing our, our portfolios, we think about you know what are our core views and what are our, our central scenarios in terms of the macroeconomic outlook and uh, you know what markets are pricing in, and we position our portfolios accordingly. But then we think about okay, if we're wrong, I need to have something in the portfolio that will protect me if that volatility comes. And it's always difficult to predict what will be the catalyst for a, a volatile uh, you know market environment. And clearly, this one really came upon us very suddenly and out of the out of the blue so you know we we look at for defensive assets you know we are sort of long-term investors and we're looking to earn those returns from from equities from credit from the asset classes that we can invest but but, but that's almost your your baseline if i can put it like that so what are the guns in the holster that you uh, you start whipping out if we think about you know a typical balanced portfolio, we've got equities and credit. We're looking for government bonds to to offset that volatility. If we see uh, you know a weakness in growth, we have other assets that we can play with that tend to do well in risk off environments, such as the the Japanese yen or or gold. And that depends on what we can do in in, in the various portfolios. Currency is also another way that you can protect uh, portfolios. So thinking about those defensive currencies that might uh, that might perform in uh, in volatile environments. The important thing is to have those positions to a, you know to a sufficient degree to be able to offset some of that volatility, not to completely offset your your central scenario. Um, but sometimes it's too late to buy those after the event has started. So it's about you know being prudent in terms of portfolio construction and not being overinsured. Although it might be nice to be in that position right yeah. now. Yes, yeah. So it's nice to have those positions when you come into an event like this. Uh, but then clearly, once you are in a in an environment like this, the the, the big question is okay. What do we do next? Well, so the obvious question is, what do you do next? <laughs> what do you do next? Well, I think there are opportunities probably uh, developing here in terms of uh, markets that have suffered um, more than they should have given their, their fundamentals and their valuations. And you're really looking to uh, identify those areas that are that are really now um, offering a margin of safety in terms of they, they've priced in so much uh, bad news that even if the worst outcome uh, develops, you should have some protection from current prices. So we look at where are the fundamentals, uh, what are markets actually pricing in? And, you know, we see some, you know, possibly some opportunities developing in some markets. But we think given the volatility and the cost of trading at the moment, we also think it's not the right time. We can afford to uh, to be patient. Are there some parts of the world which are in a better position? Because there's an argument that in China, you know, it's where the virus started. They've been through um, the huge dis- disruption and now people are beginning to get back to work. I mean, maybe it's too soon, but um, it does look like there might be a glimmer of hope there. Yes, and the way that we have currently, uh, we are currently positioned, we do have a bias towards owning Asian assets, uh, whether that's uh, Asian equities, uh, you know, even even some Chinese equities, and also, you know, we we have uh, exposure to to Asian high yield, and they have been quite resilient because. They were the first, uh, you know, to experience this. The first wave was in Asia, the second wave is in Europe, and the third wave is uh, is likely to be in the the U.S. And Asia's the the authorities there, in terms of containment, seem to have got a grip on the situation. And now their total cases, uh, if I'm not mistaken, are actually falling. So you could argue that you know Asian. Uh, economies are probably through the worst of it and we'll start coming out of it first and so in terms of where we see opportunities that's you know an area that we are uh, looking at. Um, but as you've alluded already there are sort of three phases to this and America is just starting. Where 
do you think this is going to uh, end? How, how are you preparing for it? Uh, so we are looking at the, what the U.S. equity markets and what U.S. markets in general are pricing in. We are quite concerned that not only have the possible effects of the virus been uh, underestimated in terms of the economic impact, but we also have now the oil price shock, which in the past would have probably been a positive for the U.S. economy, given that it was an energy importer. But now, because of the size of the shale industry uh, and the fact that the U.S. is a, you know, an energy exporter, uh, and it is quite a large part of the of U.S. economic activity, that you know this kind of price shock uh, to oil actually has negative effects in the short term. Uh, it could be supportive for the consumer. Um, but, as President Trump pointed out in a tweet. As President Trump has pointed out, but that doesn't help if the, you have this virus outbreak that's not contained, that's not managed properly, and people are not spending anyway. It doesn't matter what the price of oil is. If people aren't going anywhere, it's irrelevant. That's why we worry that there might be some of the impacts of this uh, virus and oil price shock might be underestimated in uh, in U.S. assets. So we are uh, very cautious on our U.S. high yield position, which we've been reducing for a while now. But uh, we are, uh, you know, also um, looking at the you know our position in U.S. equities. And uh, what role do income strategies play in um, in these circumstances? Well, income strategies could be. Uh, you know, quite uh, positive in terms of the, you know, the support that they provide. They're generally, uh, you know, the income is a, is, is a good and stable part of the total return. So within equities, uh, you know, income equities can provide some cushion to the portfolio. But I think at the moment, we're still in that indiscriminate phase of selling. So there is very little place to hide in terms of different strategies and different approaches to how you, you position your equity portfolio. But also within you know investment grade, we're seeing uh, some investment grade uh, quality uh, assets uh, being sold off and uh, some opportunities uh, developing there as well. Lastly, if I were to give you £5,000, where would you invest it at the moment? As a portfolio manager, I would ask you what are my objectives. But uh, if I had, uh, you know, a long enough horizon, I would say that some equity regions are, are starting to, you know, to possibly look attractive. So is that China? Uh, I think Asia more broadly at, at the moment, yeah, um, and, uh, and and possibly China. We'll finish up there. Thank you very much indeed, um, Eugene, and thank you for listening. As I said at the start of the show, you can find more commentary on the current market moves from our chief investment officers in the previous episode and online from other Fidelity investment experts at fidelityinstitutional.com. The producer of Rich Pickings is Seb Morton-Clark. Goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.